Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hi, welcome to the Paralegal Voice. Thanks for joining us on our monthly podcast here on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Lynn DeVenny, a North Carolina State Bar Certified Paralegal, employed by a civil litigation and civil rights firm, Elliott Pishko Morgan in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I also blog for the paralegal profession at practicalparalegalism.com. And I'm Vicki Voison, a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal calling in from Charlevoix, Michigan. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor, and I publish a weekly e-zine titled Paralegal Strategies. More information is available at paralegalmentor.com, where new subscribers receive my 151 tips for your career success. Let's take just a minute to thank our sponsors. First is Redacted from Informative Graphics Corporation, automatic redaction for your digital documents. Find out more at redact.com. The next one is Above All Legal, a new online job board for the legal community. You can find out more about Above All Legal at abovealllegal.com. And last but not least is NALA, a professional association for paralegals providing continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources that we think you'll find helpful in your careers and everyday jobs. We'll also have guests, as we do today, uh, to help us explore timely topics. When it comes to redaction or the process of removing confidential information from legal documents, some paralegals are still relying on the old standby, the traditional yet cumbersome method of using a black marker and the copy machine. And I'm here to tell you it wasn't in the far too distant past that I was using post-it tape and wearing it in my hair. (laughs) I can sympathize with you, Lynn. But there is a new option, and it's growing in popularity in the paralegal profession, and that's the use of specialized electronic tools like Redactit, which is specifically built for redaction. On today's show, we'll take a look at the benefits of this modern face of redaction and how paralegals can step away from their redaction methods of yesterday. I'm really excited about this topic because I like to call myself a paperless girl in a paperless world. So this is a really exciting show for me. Uh, Helping us with today's topic is Christine Musil, Director of Marketing for Informative Graphics Corporation. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, Christine. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Now, Christine, let's just start with the basics. And for our listeners out there who might not know, what exactly is redaction? Well, in the legal context, redaction is the removal or you can call it expunging of information from documents. And visually, you generally see this as that black box over the text. Paralegals like to stay on the cutting edge of technology, um, and it's really important that they do so. Uh, Can you talk to us about how Redactit was born? Oh, sure. 
Uh, well, informative graphics was actually originally in the viewing business. So we create software that lets people view any file format in a single application. And we've been doing that since 1990. And somewhere along the way, somebody asked us if we couldn't let their users see everything in a document except a particular area. So in that case, I believe they wanted us to block uh, customer social security numbers from some of their account representatives. So we started talking to more of our customers and some of our partners about this idea of redaction, which at this time was quite new to us. And eventually, these discussions led us to people who do a lot of redaction, and that was paralegals. So we kind of got a bunch of paralegals in a room and asked them a ton of questions, and we turned around and built what became Redacted Desktop. Now, there are a lot of benefits of using electronic redaction tools. Uh, I come at this from more of an ethics standpoint, uh, of being able to uh, protect the confidentiality and also the attorney-client privilege that is a duty that we owe our clients. But tell us some more of the benefits of using electronic uh, redaction tools. Oh, sure. Uh, First and foremost, um, I think it's the time savings that's the biggest benefit. So if you think about the old methods you were kind of describing earlier, um, Glenn was mentioning that, that you used to start with a perfectly searchable electronic document, and then you would print it to paper, and then you would read it carefully while wielding the magic marker, your Sharpie. Then you walk it to the copier and you take a copy, then you take that copy and make another copy, and you might even repeat that one more time just to make sure that it was fully obscured because sometimes you could still make out the letters. And then you would have to go back and rescan it. And now you have a flat document that is not text searchable. So if you want to make it searchable again, you have to put it through an OCR process, which uh, if anybody who's done an OCR process knows that is not exactly a perfect science. So you, you have now a less than perfect text searchable document. And electronic redaction has really changed the game so that now you can maintain and take advantage of that inherent text searchability on your documents. And you put it to good use. The nice thing is also, as you mentioned, it's a green alternative. You're really going to save paper because we're saving that entire step of not just printing it once, but then copying it you know, two and three times. And if you do that with a whole set of documents, that adds up. And it's the toner and the electricity used as well. So um, what electronic redaction lets you do is to take advantage of built-in tools. So redaction software comes with things like um, built-in privacy tools. So you can automatically search for things like phone numbers and social security numbers and email addresses. You can search for specific words, you can type in phrases, but you can also search for patterns, things like credit card numbers. You can build your own custom searches if you need to. And like Redacted supports regular expressions to make that a little easier. And a lot of times if you're in e-discovery and you've already got some complex search algorithms created, you can take advantage of those without having to redo things. And the final thing is it lets you kind of change the game about how you're going to go approach this. Instead of sitting in a room and having two people who are going through every document only once and hoping they found everything and then relying on the fact that they weren't too fatigued after doing this for hours and reading these really exciting legal documents, (laughs) now what you can do is use all those automated search tools and then just go through and verify. So now you're just making sure that everything was caught. You can use those people in a much more, I think, accurate and productive way by stepping through redactions one at a time, making sure it's all been caught, and then and improving it rather than kind of just going through once and doing it. So it makes it a little more accurate. And honestly, the final output is a little more professional looking. You don't see any kind of scribbles. They're very nice little boxes, and it automatically will print any reason codes using. So if you put, you know, if the reason for redaction is just privileged, you can have privilege actually appear on the black box. So it, it just is a little nicer presentation. Um, it can also do things like create audit logs that really make sure that you can prove that you did everything you needed to do to, to really uh, identify all the information that needed to be protected. 
Uh, Christine, I can't believe you're suggesting that um, hand redacting thousands of pages of credit card records is not it's not exciting. <laughs> but uh, a coworker of mine did it shortly before I had the opportunity to do uh, review redacted, and um, I, I know she would have sold her soul uh, to have had that software. Right. And uh, and I have had a, in the last year and a half have had the opportunity to use a variety of redaction software and still love redacted. But when I talk about it, you know, sometimes people who work for firms that have paid for Adobe uh, Acrobat Pro will say, well, blah, blah, you know, we can use Adobe Acrobat Pro for that. Why do we need a separate software? Um, So I'm going to ask you, what's the difference between using Adobe for redaction and using a redaction specific tool like Redacted? Sure. I I have to say, I think that the most important thing is what you just mentioned. One tool is made just for redaction, and the other does lots of other stuff and just happens to have a menu for redaction, if you've bought the right version, even. So Adobe is a little more expensive, and so as far as redaction tools go, it's, it's going to be a little pricier. And for some, they find it a little confusing to use. And Redacted uh, is designed to work really how paralegals work. We designed it for paralegals. And so it has a lot of features that were specifically requested by paralegals. And being, you know, a slightly smaller company than Acrobat, or than Adobe, I should say, um, you know, we're a little more flexible when it comes to product development, so it helps us um, be a little more responsive to the needs of our customers. Um, and a great example of that, I think, is our privilege log. So um, Adobe doesn't have anything similar to either our audit log or our privilege log, which are a little different. Our audit log is gonna is gonna record information like who performed the redactions, when they did it, how many times it appeared on the page, where on the pages it appeared, um, and then we have a privilege log that's a little different. You can customize our new privilege log tool. It's gonna be um, a table format, so you can cut and paste it right into Excel. You can customize the fields. So you can have, you know, document name, custodian name. Even if it's information that Redacted can't put in, we're going to let you fill that in later. We just want to make sure that it matches up. So the document name can be automatically filled in, the redaction reason, the pages it was on, whatever you need to put in there, you can cut and paste it right in. So there's a lot of tools like that that we have the flexibility to put in that a, a tool like Adobe just isn't going to supply because it's not what they do. They just want to make sure that they, you know, kind of give you some basic redaction tools. I have to tell you, Christine, that the those logs, the audit log and the privilege log, just having those tools would make this so worthwhile, it really. Now, when I do a lot of my, my research for my ethics classes, well, first of all, in the ethics classes, I always talk about redaction and the importance of that. But I have come across several embarrassing uh, examples of surfaced where sensitive or confidential data was inadvertently released due to, you know, poor redaction. So can you give us a few of those examples and explain what was done wrong? Okay, so there, you're right. There have been a number of redaction headlines, and many of them are actually in court filings. And in fact, there was a recent study by a Princeton PhD candidate that found that potentially tens of thousands of documents are currently in the PACER system that may have improper redaction. And I'll give you one of my favorite recent examples. It's the case of Rod Blagojevich's subpoena to President Barack Obama back in 2010, which you guys may be familiar with. Yes. Um, in this case, the electronic court filing contains several redacted sections, and they were made by Blagojevich's legal team. But what they really did was only put black boxes over the text. And so this allowed some clever folks in the media to just highlight the text that was under the boxes and copy it, and they pasted it into Word or Notepad, and it revealed all of the text that was supposed to be covered. 
And in that, they found several references to prosecution documents. They had uh, information about some wiretap transcripts, FBI interviews, and things like that. So it was stuff that really wasn't intended for public consumption. And then my other favorite, and this is actually going back about two years, it's the Facebook Connect You case. And this was made famous by the movie The Social Network. This is the, the Winklevoss yes. twins suing uh, Mark Zuckerberg. So in this instance, the court actually did it. So the court decided they were going to release some of the transcripts to the media, but they wanted to redact all the mentions of Facebook's valuation from their recent settlement with Microsoft, and they made the same mistake. And what they really do is they take a word, the document in Word, they take a black rectangle tool, just the drawing shape, they draw the box over the text, they convert it to PDF, and when you look at it in Acrobat, the black box is still there and you think it's covered. The simple step that would catch this mistake and alert them to the problem is just, again, highlight that text underneath and try to copy and paste it out to another document. If you can paste it, it's still there. There's a difference between what you see on the screen and what's actually contained in the document as far as content. So a real redaction tool is really going to help you eliminate that that chance of error. And Christine, I think all of our listeners that do any electronic redaction, that is a key point that you made um, as to whether it's you know possible to see the redacted information under the white box or the black box or whatever it is you've decided to use. Uh, and you just, just, those two examples would be, you know, it'd be a paralegal's worst nightmare. Um, so how does electronic redaction software prevent these kind of snafus from occurring? Well, real redaction software you need to be trained, I will say that. Um, whatever you're going to use for redaction, make sure you know that the tool is actually for redaction. So that's one mistake. They've heard that maybe Adobe Acrobat does redaction, but they didn't verify that their version does it. So if they're not using a tool that's marked redaction, you're not doing real redaction. That's the first mistake people make. But also to understand the, what the electronic redaction process is. So real redaction software means you're going to mark areas for redaction. And in this case, you'll still be able to see through these suggested redactions. Uh, sometimes they put the red box around the text. Redact, it's going to give you kind of translucent boxes over them so you can have a review process. When you're ready to finalize the redactions, there is a finalized step. And this is where you say, yes, I'm happy with everything that I've done. I think we've got it all covered. Now I'm going to finalize it. And it's going to create, if you use Redacted, it's going to create a new version of the document. And that's important to remember. Um, if you're not careful with Adobe Acrobat and you choose the same file name, you can actually overwrite your original PDF. So with Redacted, we never modify the original. We are automatically going to give you a new file name. Um, we usually add a dash R, but you can customize that. And you're going to create a new PDF or TIFF. It's up to you which version, which format you want to use. So um, again, make sure that you know how to use the software and that your software really does do redaction and you should be fine. Christine, I just want to uh, mention when you mentioned training, when I uh, reviewed the redacted uh, software, it was extremely user friendly. Um, you know, I, at that time, I wasn't as comfortable learning new tech as I am now, but I just found it wonderfully direct and user friendly. And I romped through a redaction process that probably would have taken me four to six hours and about 25 minutes after I had had seen the, the demo. So, you know, training is great, but user friendly software, you know, it makes a world of difference um, when you're redacting a lot of documents. Um, it's time to take a quick break now. Uh, and we're going to have a word from our sponsors, Redacted from Informative Graphics Corporation, Above All Legal, and Nala. Attention paralegal professionals. Informative Graphics is seeking paralegals to participate in virtual focus groups about redaction. 
The one-hour phone sessions will foster discussion about your priorities and preferences for electronic redaction solutions. Sessions are limited to 15 participants, and each participant will receive a $50 gift card and will be entered to win an iPad. One iPad winner will be randomly selected from each session. Will it be you? Sign up at www.redact.com. That's R-E-D-A-C-T dot com. This is Kate Kenny at Legal Talk Network, and I'm talking with attorney Brian Manginis, co-founder of Above All Legal, an innovative new online legal job board. Brian, you have a feature on Above All Legal where job seekers can attach a video resume with their profile. Tell us about that. Well, the video resume feature is really emerging technology that will allow a candidate uh, to actually post a video resume of themselves rather than just posting their written resume uh, on our site. And this, of course, benefits the employer as well because they can actually view the candidate rather than just relying upon a written resume to determine uh, the suitability of a candidate. So it's a very unique feature. I don't think anyone in the legal space is doing this, and uh, we're very excited about it. We've been talking to attorney Brian Manginis, co-founder of Above All Legal. Check it out at AboveAllLegal.com. That's AboveAllLegal.com. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Lynn Devaney, and we are talking with Christine Musel, Director of Marketing for Informative Graphics Corporation, about the modern face of redaction in the paralegal community. Christine, my first question as we start off this segment of our program is, what if you have to comply with the native format file request? That is a great question. I get that one a lot. And I get it so often that I spent a lot of time researching this specifically, and I talked to some of the leading authorities in e-discovery, including George Sosha and Craig Ball and Tom O'Connor. And so out of all that research, what I kind of netted it down to is, first, find out why they're asking for native. Often people request native, and they honestly don't understand why they think they want it. What is it that they're looking for that they think only native is going to provide? So be sure to know that you can question on that. And second, even if you do agree to produce a format, you know, to produce a native format, you can provide the much smaller subset of documents that require redaction in a different format. So you can still produce the redacted documents in TIFF or PDF. Uh, what they really recommend is that you just are very upfront about this. And if you're in an e-discovery process, this is where the meet and confer really comes in. You need to make sure that somebody has really fought for um, making sure that TIFF or PDF is acceptable for the redacted subset of documents. Oh, that's a good tip. How does redaction work in the event of a native redaction request? You know, again, this is just such a common question, uh, so I've spent quite a bit of time on it, and I actually did write a white paper on this particular part of, the, of that question. Um, so no matter how you handle redaction, you are modifying the document and you're creating a new version of the document. So no matter what you do, you're going to change it. Even if you start with Word and you end with a Word document, you've had to change it and you've had to deliver a different version. So that's kind of important to understand. 
Um, if you absolutely have to deliver the document in native format, and I see this most often or I hear about it most often with complex uh, financial spreadsheets, Excel spreadsheets usually, uh, make sure you do a save as command before you start doing anything. And then you're just going to go ahead and actually modify the document. There's really no way around it. There is no good redaction tool to do native at this time. So again, you're going to make a, do a save as. You're going to go ahead and modify it. Save it as something indicating that that's your redacted version, and you're going to deliver it along with the rest of your redacted documents that are probably in PDF or TIFF format. So, Christine, what kind of defensible audits do you need to provide? You know, do you need to provide to people to show the integrity of your process? Well, the risk of missing something when you're redacting, of course, is that you might lose privilege. So, you do want to be able to show that if anything got missed, it certainly wasn't for your lack of effort to safeguard that information. So what uh, Redacted in particular will do is, again, create a complete audit log, and it's going to say who did the redactions, what search terms were used, um, if you used some of the built-in tools, which ones were used, did you, you know, search for all social security numbers, things like that. Um, it's going to say what pages you found them on, how many documents you found them on. I'll have actual coordinates on the documents to where they were found so that you can really prove that you did everything you could possibly do to safeguard the information. And that's usually all you need to do to prove, kind of be defensible, I guess, about it. Right. That proves that it was inadvertent and that you really had the intentions of taking care of everything like that. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Christine, this interview has been full of Great information for electronic redaction. Um, but can you share with us maybe three, three, couple more takeaway tips for electronic redaction to help paralegals handle it more successfully? Oh, you bet. Um, probably the first thing I would say is make sure you have a designated redaction expert. This is a person who is responsible for helping any uh, new people or people who haven't done redaction before or somebody new to your firm um, then maybe hasn't used your tool before. So make sure that you have a designated person who answers all the questions and make sure that everybody's doing it properly. Second, don't be afraid to ask for training. For example, um, if you if you call me, I will happily for free give your whole staff training. We'll do a webinar session and I'll show you the tools. And it's a benefit to us because we get to hear more about how people are using the software and things that they might need. So that helps our product development. But it also makes sure that you know, we don't want our customers to ever be caught in an embarrassing snafu. So we want to make sure that you know how to use it. And again, this is completely free. So you should take advantage of this kind of thing. A lot of small software companies will do this for you. Um, and finally, spot check your redactions. There is no substitute for the human eye and a human review. That's why we give you so many review tools and verify tools and redact it. Um, but it's really important that you at least do a spot check before you deliver your final documents to make sure that you are confident in kind of any search algorithms that you had to use um, or anything else that you did on the searching to make sure that you didn't have any false positives, but you got everything you wanted. You know, Christine, I'm asked frequently why law firms would be slow to adopt you know, a good program like Redacted or why they're slow to adopt anything. And and I think it's just because they don't know that it's available. So, you know, of course, that's one of the goals of this program is to let everyone know what's out there. But um, there are still paralegals who are relying on a black marker and a copier machine for redaction. So what tips do you, and I want to tell you that I also know redaction, um, the way we're doing it now doesn't always work when you've even filed documents on PACER. That can be a problem. So what, you know, what advice do you have for these people who are still using the black marker and the copy machine? <laughs> sure. Um, I think what I would say is that there really is a better way that electronic redaction isn't just faster. It is actually more reliable. 
And it takes a lot of that human factor um, and, unfortunately, human error factor out of the process. It makes your privilege log a lot easier. It saves a lot of paper. It saves toner, so you're going to be a little more green. And honestly, it just it looks a little more professional. And I think once you have it down, you're going to be more confident in your redaction than you were before. Christine, having um, used electronic redaction uh, for the last year, I would also have to add that it frees up your staff to do more substantive work um, that I think a, a a dedicated redaction software like Redactit can pay for itself in about four to six hours of a paralegal's regular hourly rate. Um, just in terms of the time-saving aspect, um, you're right, the more professional look, um, the, the getting the job done efficiently, uh, less expensively over the long run, and, you know, to allow, to allow your staff to to do other things that are key to the case, such as drafting pleadings, interviewing witnesses, it really is just a, it makes the use of your staff's time much more economical. Um, we want to thank our guest, Christine Musel, for joining us today. And uh, Christine, if anybody wants to know more about today's topic, how can they reach you? Um, what's, can you give your website link again for the free demo? Um, any other contact information they, if they want to reach you? Absolutely. The website is www.redact.com, and if they want to reach me, they can email me or call me. My email is M at infograph.com, and our number here is 602-971-6061, and they can just ask for me. Christine, uh, before we let you go, do you have any upcoming events that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, definitely. Um, we actually have some upcoming focus groups just for paralegals. One is, or two of them, I should say, are virtual. Uh, so they'll just be teleconference. And those are November 2nd and 3rd from 1 to 2 p.m. at Eastern Time. They can sign up for those two on our website. Again, www.redact.com. Right on the homepage, there'll be a link. And then we have two in-person focus groups in New York City. So if anyone who's going to be in New York City, November 16th and 17th from 6.30 to 8 p.m., we would love to uh, would love to have you there. We're going to have some details, I guess, to follow on uh, how to sign up for those. Great. Thank you. Thank you again for being a guest on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Christine. We really appreciate your taking the time to share all of this with our listeners. Now, if uh, any of you who are listening to this have questions about today's show, please email them to theparalegalvoice at gmail.com. We're going to take another short break and come back with some paralegal news and announcements. We'll be right back. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. This is the time when Lynn and I give our practice tips and also social media tips. The one practice tip that I have for this week is to join a professional association. I was uh, in Cincinnati the last Wednesday through yesterday, long time, and I spent that time with the at the NALS conference. And when I 
told them that the most important thing that they could do would be to join a professional association, I got a standing ovation. Now, of course, I was preaching to the choir, but everyone agrees with that. You're going to learn more. You're going to be able to network with other paralegals, and it gets you out of your small world and into your larger world. So that's the best thing that you can do to move your career forward. Absolutely. Um, And I just find, you know, even the resources that many of the national paralegal associations have available at their websites for paralegals are just amazing. Um, I've been privileged just to turn in uh, two articles, one for NALA, Facts and Finding, and the other for the uh, National Federations of Paralegal Association um, upcoming magazine. So um, participating fully in your associations, serving on committees, uh, writing articles, uh, helping make things happen. It's just, it's just a really enriching experience. Uh, speaking of enriching experience, I'm hoping I'm speaking for Vicki and myself, but as paralegal bloggers, um, I think both of us are really, really appreciative of the feedback that we receive from our readers. Uh, both of us feature weekly profiles of legal professionals, um, and any of you who are out there listening um, it is such a big help and just encouraging to us both to have that. It gives us one less post a week we have to do by ourselves and just to celebrate you and share you with the world. Um, you know, it's just a really awesome opportunity for us. Uh, contributing guest posts, uh, sending us items of interest, all of that stuff is just greatly appreciated. And yeah, I might have a little uh, self-serving interest here. Today is Practical Paralegalism's third year anniversary. woo um, looking forward to many more years, but just, you know, um, want to thank you guys for, for supporting us and reading our blogs and just, uh, and making it possible. Um, that's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. Don't forget to check out the show notes on our blogs, paralegalmentor.com and practicalparalegalism.com. This is Lynn DeVenny. And I'm Vicki Voison, thanking you for joining us today and reminding you, make your Paralegal Voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.